and this is something I, I actually learned from my students, um, that if somebody's asking for help, they probably need it. <laughs> Otherwise, they wouldn't ask because for a lot of those people, especially my students, to ask a professor for help, that's a lot of effort. Like it, it's literally like killing them to ask me for help uh, because I don't know why, but the, like the perceived power differential, right? So if people ask you for help, maybe just give it to them graciously. This is the Humans of Gaming podcast, an open and honest conversation about games, life, and belief. Hello and welcome to Humans of Gaming. I'm Drew Dixon. I'm one of your hosts and the chief content nerd at Love Thy Nerd. I'm joined by Chris Gwaltney. Hey, Chris. Hey, I'm here and you're listening to Humans of Gaming. And with this show, we like to talk to our developer friends and our content creators and just people that work in the games industry and hear what makes them tick. You know, there's this temptation, especially for creative types, to find their identity in the thing they've made and not in who they actually are. And we try to combat that and get to hear about what makes people actually really tick. So, welcome. Yeah, these are super fun conversations. I always enjoy them because we talk to such uh, amazingly creative people. Um, You wouldn't know it sometimes from... uh, Because like these people's names are not always like household names, but they're incredibly uh, accomplished, have done amazing things um, that like the person we talked to today has designed so many stinking games and has helped, um, helped, helped other people develop so many games. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of someone we've had that's more prolific really in their design than, than, than sin um and it's hard hard to think of um rob davio maybe but Mm -hmm. uh but yeah sin has sin fong lim um and you'll and i think on the podcast he pronounces his name (laughs) i i feel like i didn't do it correctly but he said he was very forgiving of people you did a great not saying it correct because you know we just we just can't make some of those noises (laughs) if you haven't been trained to uh so that's that's just how language works so uh, my apologies for not doing that well, but um, yeah, he made junk art and um, uh, gosh, what else? Kingdom Rush, um, Belfort. Uh, yeah, he's, he's involved in a whole bunch of other games, like IPs, uh, like well-known IPs, yeah. like Godfather, and um, I forget some of the other ones, but yeah, yeah I mean, a just Batman animated series game. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, if you yeah. just go to Board Game Geek and you know, type in his name, like you're going to see a laundry list of games that he's been involved with. Mm. Um, and yeah, he also like, he, he seems to be one of those guys and he talks about this a little bit, how just whatever he kind of puts his mind to, he does and does like excellently. And he Mm. also strikes me as one of those people that I just want to ask, like, do you sleep? Because <laughs> yeah. you seem to do a lot of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. He's also a you know a therapist, and yeah, he's just kind of done all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, 
If you need some some parenting advice, we get into that yeah, towards the end of the podcast. We get a little bit of a free well. therapy session towards the end. <laughs> where, where Sin helped me out a little bit I with uh, some of my own, uh, you know, struggles and issues as a parent of three kids. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully it doesn't invoice yeah, us. he's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyway, uh, we did a, we and we did a panel with Sin uh, that April Lynn led at mm-hmm. Gen Con Online this last year. Mm-hmm. So, um, go look that up if you, if you can. I don't know if you can find it online, but. Search for it. Maybe you can. Uh, <laughs> and uh, who knows? There's lots of stuff on the internet. But uh, but yeah, he's a super thoughtful guy, super thoughtful designer, and um, I really enjoyed getting to know him better and hearing his story. So uh, without further ado, we very much hope you enjoy this conversation with Sim. Sin, remind me how to say your name. Oh, I know how to you say can Sin, just say but... Sin. The other part. Uh, it's Fong. Okay. But I mean, so, Fong. so it's That's not funny because so I was just writing this last night at 4 a.m. that it's actually, because that's how late I go to bed. It's actually not even that. Like, that's not even how you really pronounce it. Um, and I was talking with uh, a bunch of other Asian creatives about, you know, have you ever had to anglicize your name? I said, yeah, my entire life. That's that's exactly what happened. I didn't pick an, an English name like a lot of other people have. Like my son and my son's like Eli, yeah. my other son's Eli, but um, they're also not all fully Chinese. But did you name them that, or did that was what they chose? Oh no, 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 no! They were named that. Like so, they have a Chinese okay. middle name and they have an Anglophone uh, first name. I guess. Yeah. Gotcha. But it was uh, it was just funny that that just came up last night um, about. You know, how do you pronounce your name and do you simplify it for you know other people it's like yep that's been my life my entire life has always been simplifying my <laughs> name it's, it's not a bad thing it's just so you don't get no, annoyed by it well, too much because it's 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 a it's a unreasonable request to ask you to say my name in the way it's supposed to be said because you can't actually yeah. make the sounds like there's 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 no right. human way that you can make the sound Right off the bat, anyway. I mean, you can totally <laughs> practice. It takes, oh, some it takes a lot of practice. But it's yeah. like, so um, babies, I don't know if you know this, this is just science, right? Uh, but babies up to about six six months of age can actually hear the difference between like all the phonemes in the world. And then at around that age of six months, they start, that starts fading away. So it's this like superpower mm. that they have. And then they, as they get exposed to more and more of the core language that they'll be exposed to, they lose the ability to recognize the other stuff. Mm. Mm. I feel like that's a metaphor for like it all of life probably. that we start out <laughs> like like super powered and then we perpetually get yeah. worse. Just eventually get worse. That's definitely the story yeah. of my life. I'll tell you that right now. Or at now. least you're open to new things, yeah. right? And then you perpetually get a little more closed and closed and closed. Just more mm. and more salty as the days yeah. go on. Yeah. 2020 didn't oh, help God, with no. that. That's for sure. Super salty. Yeah, it's really sad. So, Sin, you've designed some games. Uh, that's why we had you on this that's podcast. That's the word on the street. That I've done that. That's uh, the word on board game yeah. geek. Yeah, yeah. So, I think, um, I think, I think probably most people might know you for for designing junk art, or uh, I guess so. What, but how? What? What is? You've done some other games too, and you're working on Kingdom Rush right now, I believe, mm-hmm. and. Um, You've done mind management. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Give us a quick overview. Oh, you got to settle this. I was asking Drew earlier. 
So would you say, is it mind management or is it like mind MGMT? Is it mind mmt? Like what's the... <laughs> well, well, Matt, who does, who who created it, calls it mind management. So I just listen to Matt. Whatever okay. Matt says is, is, is go. Now, the funny thing about that is that Matt often contradicts himself. So that's a whole other Matt story. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, Matt Kent is the, is the writer, artist, and creator of that series of comics. And uh, he's a good friend of mine. So we figured, let's make a game together. And that's what we made. But it is mind management. Uh, I mean, for my, my ludology, my ludography, whatever you want to call it, um, That's a sh- strong word. I like it. I know, right? Ludography. Ludography. Yeah. Do the, do lots of board game designers like use that term, or did you come up with that? I I con- constantly in introducing it to other people, so I think I might be the one who started. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I also believe that I started a whole lot of stuff that really I probably didn't. So that's just yeah. me being egotistical. The I mean, that'd be a pretty sweet thing to put on your resume. You have a whole section that's like my ludography, you know. <laughs> well, I do that actually. I, I, that is what I call it on on my like my whatever my my web page about myself. Yeah, um, I don't even know what to call that. I I made it because everybody kept asking me for it. It's like I don't want to do this, but it's mm-hmm. easier than me retyping it every time. Mm-hmm. So now I just send them to this website that has all the games that I've ever made. Well, actually, it doesn't even have all the games that I've ever made. It has like the covers of maybe a select, like 20 or The ones that you want to admit to. <laughs> well, I mean, no, not not even that. They're even just ones that present well in terms of yeah. like they, they, they visually kind of pop off the page and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And it's a wide variety. And a lot of the stuff that I do is intellectual property work. So uh, those are particularly you know, interesting for people who aren't in the industry to see. It's like, oh, you made a Batman game. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, so. Uh, yeah. And that's usually where I get a lot of requests is from people who are licensing their IP to somebody else. And so they're looking for a designer. And it sort of behooves me to show them, oh, I've done work in some of the biggest intellectual properties in the world and some of the smallest. Yeah. So WWE. Yeah. The right? Shining. Yeah. If you like wrestling, <laughs> I also like wrestling. <laughs> you like that wrestling? I made oh, some games. Oh, man. Yeah, no, we I, have a, we have I a wrestling, wrestling podcast. We do, do you really? Not Drew and I, but LTN. Not me, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I just yeah. on the network. That's great. I did uh, when I was, gosh, probably like a freshman in high school. <laughs> Had like a backyard wrestling league thing oh, did you? that I was in. <laughs> yeah, for That's real. Awesome. <laughs> Do you have like I say a leak? Do really you have like videos of that? Somebody does. Yeah. Somebody, <laughs> somebody does somewhere. somewhere. Dude, I That's would awesome. pay I'd pay dozens of dollars for those. Maybe videos. even yeah. maybe even tens of dozens. No. There, yeah. <laughs> there was a ketchup involved, you know. <laughs> Seriously? Like you yeah. you're like, I'm gonna cut myself. <laughs> it's ketchup. <laughs> We would like, uh, there was Blade. a couple times where we videoed like breaking a bottle and then you'd come out with ketchup on your face, you know, <laughs> like as if you broke a bottle over your head or whatever. Oh, hilarious. And you like edited it all in? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh my God. It was, uh, we oh. all had like multiple uh, alter, you know, egos. We would have like our main character and then we would have like, um, <laughs> you know, some another character that wore a mask or something. So right. And then have later they could, they'd be somebody else because you need enough people yeah. to make the roster. Look good. Right, yeah, and and having multiple ones would make it like because we'd all want to be the one that won each match. You know what I mean? Sure. And 
And so if you have alternate egos that are wearing masks, it's easier to be like, oh, I don't care if this character loses a bunch. So so who was your favorite character to be and what was their finishing move? <laughs> we need to know, we need to know this. Yeah. Uh, we need to get Drew my, onto our wrestling podcast as a special guest. There you my go. Main, uh, my main character was called Magic Man. Uh, <laughs> okay. That was my main All right, one. all right, all right. Yeah. All right, and that right, was, right. I think that was like no mask, if I remember right. Um, I don't remember. Now, were you a heel or were you the, what's the face? Yeah, the face. There you go. Uh, I, I was the face. Of course uh, you were. Of course you were. It's mad, man, yeah. Name like Magic Man. Of course you Magic were. Magic Man. Oh, man. I was like, pretty good looking. Was your, was your, too, was your so. finisher called the Abracadabra? <laughs> Hocus Pocus. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. And he's yeah, going off the top turnbuckle with the Hocus Pocus. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, back to, uh, <laughs> yeah, back back to your to board games. games. Hey, yeah. so I uh, I actually played Junk Art like oh, good. a couple years ago or so now. And I have to admit, like, I'm terrible at those kinds of games. Like, I don't. I don't have that kind of abstract creativity or that whatever that bone is in my body doesn't exist. <laughs> like tile a, laying games, a, I'm garbage. Like it's a wrist any of, Yeah, any of that kind of stuff I'm just not good at. But and I because I'm not good at them, I don't enjoy them. Right. Because if I can't win something, I don't want to participate in it. That's just, you know, no, that's, that's my a lot of, lot of people are like that. Okay? A lot of well, um, problems with yeah, Chris is a human being. My, it's just one of my <laughs> core issues. But I have to say, like, I actually still think about junk art and my experience playing it, like, act, actually fondly. Like, I really liked it. And oh, that's I don't actually tend to like those kinds of games. Well, so you did something this, right. It's this weird mix, right? So there's a huge, long story behind junk art. Mm-hmm. Um, but the bottom line is that when we finished it, it became this thing where. It was like the dexterity game that gamers can also enjoy. That's what it became known as in hobby circles, right? Because it's got this little bit of strategy to it with the card play. Uh, it does mm-hmm. have that spatial awareness and dexterity, but the combination of all of the stuff allowed people to kind of at least have express their own gameplay desires through it as opposed to, yeah, this is just a stacking game. You know, because yeah. some people are like I don't care about stacking games, but this one allowed you to score points in different ways. Allowed you to, uh, you're not eliminated. You know, when your tower falls, you just that's mm-hmm. now counting against you a little bit. Mm-hmm. But you're not eliminated, right? So there's a lot to it that I think people really gravitated towards. So I don't know if it's like our biggest selling game. I think it is. Like I, I have a whole I have a whole condominium that says it is. <laughs> you know that kind of thing like that's then that's not a that's, that's not a brag that's just like what yeah how do i don't know how to judge how popular the games are because yeah. bgg is one thing but then you know what i get in residuals is a whole other thing yeah, yeah. so you know we have some very highly rated games we have some very <laughs> low rated games because you know <laughs> not everything's a winner baby and yeah. then in, somewhere in the middle there's those games that do both where it's like highly rated and sells a lot and is critically acclaimed and is all these things. And mm-hmm. junk art just happened to be one of those things. Now we're hoping for, you know, even more things to come with junk art. It's, you know, every, every game designer wants what's called the evergreen, a game that just kind of yeah, is yeah, always yeah. being reprinted. And, you know, everybody mm-hmm. buys a copy at least once in their life, maybe mm-hmm. gives a couple of ways a gift and, 
that's what we hope Jumpcart can be. Um, and we'll see. I mean, it has definitely been that over the last couple of years. It's just, will yeah. it continue to be evergreen? Um, the idea behind it is is solid. And, you know, there's a lot of people who who really, really, really like it to the point where, you know, it hasn't been... It's been out for years, and people yeah. still send it was like me 2016 pictures. 2016 or something, right? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Let me think. Yeah, probably around then. Uh, so about f- four or five years, and it's still like people still send me pictures on a regular basis. Oh, look what we made in Junkyard! Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, that's awesome because it is. Yeah. It's just really awesome to see people do cool things. It definitely has those legs. Like I, it's. Is is it in retail anywhere like Target or Barnes and Noble? Because like I could totally see it on a uh, shelf at one of those places, and people just picking that up, literally so, based on what it looks like. You know, so there there were always there were always sort of hopes, and I th- I think the newest iteration, so like ver- like the third edition, I think is what the mm-hmm. what the company has finally kind of settled. That's what we're going to push. So the original version was like in this big wooden box. It was like the heirloom version where you'd like pass it down for many generations type thing. <laughs> Cause it was yeah. like beautiful and expensive. So that wooden box adds like a really big kind of ask for mm-hmm. purchasers, right? It's like, okay, you're going to spend X number of dollars. And if you did the math, Y number of dollars of that X is just for the box, right? Yeah. Because it's this yeah. big wooden box that increases the cost, increases the shipping, yep. increases the weight, all this kind of stuff. And so the next version that came out, there was actually a plastic version of Junk Cart. Uh, and it was weird because they actually had to scale the pieces down to get it to a price point that they liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it took off like a good 20 US off the MSRP. Um, and so it was like, yeah, let's That's let's huge. look at this. But the problem with that is that people still wanted wood, um, which I find hilarious in some ways because the plastic is actually molded perfectly. And the wood, no matter what your tolerances are, you're not going to get perfect pieces mm-hmm. every time, and so, which is neat in some ways. So each player, each person who owns junk art, there's something unique about their their set. Mm. That if you play it enough, you'll get to learn those little those little nuances. Like, don't pick the green one of the big <laughs> cylinder because it's kind of slightly off an angle, um, and that's just that's yeah. just machining, right? But once you mold it in plastic, it's perfect every time. And they came up with actually a texture for it that was um, not slippery because obviously you think plastic on plastic, it's going to slide. Uh, and in a dexterity game, that's not good. But they have this kind of like it's not gritty or grippy but it doesn't slide as much yeah and so it's actually for tournament if you wanted to do a tournament play like and everything's equal and perfect and all that kind of stuff that would probably be what i would say yeah do it with that but the problem is that uh in hobby anyways a lot of people expect wood they like wood unless mm-hmm. it's like fancy miniature plastic They're like mm-hmm. no it's got to be wood i like the feel of wood i want that heft and that's true i mean that the the weight of the wood is definitely different than the weight of the plastic a because the plastic is like i think like 18 percent smaller uh there's some actual number i can't remember what it is and um so anyway the plastic version didn't do didn't perform super super well as well as expected, because we expected it to be like, you know, like you said, Target, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, whatever. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's put this in there, sell like 
gangbusters. It'll be great. Um, but again, I think people just didn't love the plastic. They were used to like Jenga, right? Being yeah, wood. Yeah, they were yeah. used to like that kind of stuff. Now, obviously, you know, I, I'm a collector of Jenga specifically. I have like 18 or 19 different versions in my basement. Really? Yeah, yeah. I love Jenga. Jenga is like a perfect product in my mind. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just think it's amazing. I love Jenga, man. Like I'm, I'm about it. Yeah. Not the, about uh, it to the tune of having 18 or 19 different versions <laughs> of it, but. Yeah. Well, so I played Dread a lot, uh, the role-playing game, which uses Jenga towers. Oh, that's right. And so a lot of the people that I play with are really good at Jenga now. <laughs> and so we just kind of, let's do Jenga Extreme today because it like, will mess you up more. You'll die that's more. <laughs> Or, you know, if we're playing like a uh, cyberpunk type thing, it's like, oh, let's use the Jenga that's a Tetris version, which has like angles and stuff. So, and some of those are plastic too. Um, actually, quite a few of them have like plastic parts. But um, for this one anyway, uh, the next version, the third version is going to be wooden parts in a uh, cardboard box instead of wooden in a wooden box or mm. plastic in a cardboard box. It's going to be <laughs> wooden in a plastic box. Hey, third box. time's a charm. Yeah, and I think so. That's just learning and growth and all that kind of stuff. And like the market will bear what the market will bear. And we're hoping that the market will bear um, this one uh, to the to the tune of, you know, how they supported the first version, Uh, because it'll it'll have all the feels with, you know, much less cost. And I mean, obviously, just like a Jenga, I'm pretty sure if you go look at your Jenga, if you didn't have like Jenga Extreme or something that's actually stored inside plastic, a plastic case, uh, you probably have taped that Jenga box like hundreds of times or have oh, gotten I've rid of it and put seen, it in a I've bucket. never seen a Jenga box intact. Right? Ever. And it's actually why mm. they, they changed it from the original box, which was a box that had this fold out that you could actually use to guide you know, reset your, mm-hmm. your tower square, mm-hmm. which is awesome. And then it just became this bucket that you threw your parts back in at the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just give up. Yeah. Jenga was yeah. perfect. Like the original Jenga <laughs> was perfect because you could use that a box. Jenga apologist. I never thought I'd see the day. I know you could use that box to like square your tower. You could, when you were repackaging it, when you're putting it away, you're actually setting it up for the next time. you play. <laughs> <It's> wild. <laughs> That's right. Oh it's my genius. gosh. Did- it was cheap. Are there like a lot of uh, board gamers that crap on Jenga? Of course. Just like I'm they sure crap on are. Munchkin, right? Yeah, uh, or like... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hey, I'm guilty of crapping oh, on yeah, Munchkin. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, but, I, I, I'm sure at some point in my life I've crapped on Munchkin. My kids love Munchkin and I hate yeah. playing Munchkin. But that's the thing. So I don't... I'm not going to say I like Munchkin. I'm going to say Munchkin is another example of a product that does what it's supposed to do, which is provide... And this is my my theory of game design and you know Eric Lang and I've talked about this a lot is if a product can consistently provide the experience that it's supposed to that's like what's written on the box it is good no matter what you think about the game itself mm-hmm. it is still mm-hmm. a good product for its audience that's the thing mm. right yeah. right yeah. so if like we just talked about wrestling like how many people do we know that kind of roll their eyes when you say oh I like wrestling they're like <laughs> yeah, but it provides exactly <laughs> what I want mm-hmm, every time yeah. I watch it. So I don't care. You know, yep. I'm a college professor. I still watch wrestling. <laughs> I had night. a I had a an I argument one time. Well, a debate, a a heated discussion, heated discussion <laughs> with someone one time about Britney Spears and whether or not 
uh, her music was art. And, you know, he was very strongly like, yeah, it's not art. It's just crap music, yada, yada. And I was kind of coming at it from this angle that you guys are talking about where it's like, you know what? Like it's, I mean, as cliche as it is like this, this eye, it's in the eye of the beholder kind of idea, right? Like if Mm -hmm. it's hitting the people that it's supposed to be hitting and they're enjoying it and it's good and fulfilling, then cool. It's doing what it's doing. And I, again, here's another Chris issue. We're just going to air all my issues today. It's, it's the um, venting of Chris issues. It's because I, at my core, I want to be a gatekeeper. I want to tell people these are the games that are good and these are the games that are bad. Objectively, whether you believe it mm-hmm. or not, this is truth. I think we all do. So this is a moment of this is a <laughs> um, moment of growth for you, really. Yeah, absolutely. So like <laughs> that's something that I'm trying. You know, like Monopoly or Risk. Like, man, I could I could give you 50 game recommendations that will do what those games do better. You know, but yeah. really if you enjoy that and you like it and that's been, you know, for whatever reason you have an attachment to that, like, cool, man, you play the heck out of monopoly. Right. You put that $500 bill on free parking. I don't care. Do what you got to do. <laughs> right. And it's, it's, it's the difference between saying, Oh, that's gross here. Try this. And Oh, you like that. You might also like this. Yeah, like, yeah. There's mm-hmm. this real subtle way that you can still be, uh, an like an enabler than a gatekeeper, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And about, you know about all that that house ruling stuff about Monopoly and whatnot. Like people ask me that all the time. Like, do you get mad at people who house rule your games? It's like as long as they don't rate the game based on their house rule, <laughs> and as long as they tell people when they're teaching them that this is a house rule that I that they added, mm-hmm. then I'm fine. Because what I really get upset about, not really, but I mean, kind of, sort of, it's like. Oh, I didn't like the game. Well, how'd you play it? Well, this way. Well, that's not the way I intended you to play it. So, I mean, I don't know if yeah. you really gave it a fair shot. There's but at the end, I'm not really that upset. on that rating. Yeah, right? This, it's, this is... That's exactly this what probably This probably irri- will irritate you a little bit as a board game designer. But um, I really don't like reading rule books. I don't enjoy it. <laughs> that's okay. Um, I don't like writing them. So, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like... We're on the flip you know, side of the um, same coin, my friend. Like YouTube is a godsend for me in that sense, um, especially like uh, oh Rodney gosh, Smith. On his What's name. up, Rodney Smith? Yeah, Rodney Smith's videos. Another great are like, Canadian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you guys like, keep it real up there. Those those videos give me life because I get to see the rules in action. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's so much more helpful for me than reading them. But anyway, because of that, occasionally, like I'll miss the finer point of a rule because I I didn't really like read the rule book. I just watched a video and something was, you know, not covered or whatever. Um, and so it's not uncommon for me to discover after playing a game several times that something doesn't work the way I thought it did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh man, this game is so much better than I thought it was. <laughs> We've all been there. Oh, for sure. It's hilarious. My One of my uh, design partners, Jesse Wright, uh, who I'm working on Kingdom Rush with right now, and his partner, Helena, uh, when we first met, um, they were like, oh, I'm big fans of Belfort, blah, 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 blah. And I said, great, yeah, let's let's get together sometime and play. And we did, and Jesse's doing all this stuff wrong. And, and then it's like, Jess, that's not how you play. Oh my God, that's not how you play? No, not really. <laughs> and then Helena's like, that's why you win every time. You just uh, do that to win. And it's hilarious. Because he doesn't do it to win, but his interpretation of the rules allowed him to win more than she did. So now she feels yeah. all vindicated. It's, it's quite yeah. funny. She's given asterisks <laughs> yeah. to all of his wins in that game ever. It's like a yeah, running joke helpful. with me and people I play games with. 
there's just a phrase that they like to say to me, which is would have been nice to know because usually what happens is I'll miss kind of like drew, like I miss a detail or a ruling or something like that. And I don't remember it or I don't figure it out or see it until like, you know, an hour into the game, hour and a half (laughs) into the game. And usually, and I swear this is purely coincidental. It's something that benefits me. (laughs) Yep. Um, and so, yeah, that's just kind of the running. I have also been accused of that. that group of, <laughs> I don't necessarily nice think I did it. Yeah. But I've definitely been accused of it. Like, no, I'm pretty I say sure we're I told you. Proven guilty, so. Pretty sure I told you. I've definitely you. been one of the people that uh, has said it would have been nice to know to you, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I will say, I would rather that happen then have to sit down and learn every rule of a game before we start playing like that is that's definitely worse uh i don't want to spend an hour on the rules before we jump into the game uh that's probably my biggest like board game pet peeve yeah it's (laughs) it's, played on mars the other day oh yeah i don't know if you guys have played that not yet holy crap (laughs) that is I played some complicated games. Like those are kind of my, like I, you know, TI Twilight Imperium is like one of my favorite games ever. And man, on Mars is a beast to learn. I think we were, we were learning that for an hour and 45 minutes, just learning it. Setting yeah. It up, all that stuff. <laughs> we, we, we made this mistake of starting like Gaia project at like some, mm, some time yeah. where we were like, Oh, we have a panel in like, you know, Three hours. No. Oh, do you think we can fit Gaia Project in? And they're like, yeah, let's mm. give it a try. And we're like, we're like <laughs> halfway through the rules, and we're like, eh, maybe we yep. should have picked another game. But we we did power through it, and then we just kind of stopped, like you know, maybe three turns in or something, because it took yeah. a long time to get through it, and it was a loud room, and you know, cons are not the best place to necessarily learn a new heavy game. It like mm-hmm. at like prime time, con time when it's like loud. In the I room. have a hard time learning that lesson though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love, man. I totally agree. I miss cons. Do you miss going to conventions? I do. And I don't, um, okay. I'm, I'm not a, uh, I'm not an extrovert by nature. I'm an extrovert mm-hmm. by force. Uh, and so things like that tire me out incredibly. Uh, like I go to a con and then I have to sleep for a week type thing. Like, and it's not just con drop. It's like, no, I have literally no energy. But while I'm there, I am definitely vibing off everybody's energy and I love it. And mm-hmm. I like seeing people and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, cons is where I do a lot of work. So I do, yeah. en- I do enjoy that part of it. Um, I enjoy traveling. I like, you know, seeing new places, eating fun food and, you know, game people are the best people. So definitely miss them. Um, are we getting back to them? I hope soon someday, you know, when everything's safe and even after everything's pretty okay, I may, I may be a little bit reticent to travel still, but we'll see. But I do miss them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like online cons just haven't, haven't met the need. Yeah. It's it's just not. I think there's a lot of stuff that's come out of it though, but it's kind of where I'm at with like, solo board games or even now like trying to do online board games it actually just makes me more sad that i can't do that in person it's like when i'm playing a solo game i'm just constantly reminded the whole time this would be funner with other people this would be more fun with other people (laughs) and when i'm playing like tabletop simulator or something like that i'm like this would just be more fun and take less time in person 
And so I've just completely avoided both things now. Yeah, I, I'm not a, I'm not a solo gamer at all. Uh, I don't I don't play games to play the game. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I play yep. games to have an experience, and usually other people are part of that experience. Yeah. It's it's this sort of thing where, um, like I don't I don't necessarily like what 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 uh, like flips my switch isn't the isn't figuring out the intricacies of the game because that's not that hard for me it's more um seeing other people do fun stuff uh mm-hmm. and being part of that uh is what i like about gaming um sometimes i'm the one doing the cool stuff sometimes other people are doing the cool stuff but it's part of it's being part of that experience which is i mean why i like role-playing games a lot uh, because you know you get to watch people do fun and cool things and escape mm-hmm. rooms are like that as well uh, board games are a little bit different but uh, yeah I'm not I'm not necessarily into board gaming for the um, the the mechanics of yeah, the yeah. actual game I mean I love all that I do because like, there I think are definitely people that are like that I mean I oh, think for sure, 100%. that's kind of the euro game right like where it's mm-hmm. just head down do your own thing you don't even need to worry about really other people at the table like you just score all your points you know and I'm not against that at all I don't I don't mind playing those games as long as there's other people there I, I just find them very dry for lack yeah. of a better word when yeah. there's nobody else there to to talk to or to kibitz with or to like taunt <laughs> you know or yeah, play yeah. play those games with the social games right uh and this is not to say like i'm on a big amera gamer or anything like that like big random swings of dice aren't also my thing it's it's not either of those none of those things are my thing about games my thing about games is the people that play them uh and i like to be around a table with those people um i know like i definitely have friends who are like yeah solo games solo games solo games and i find it actually difficult to design solo games because I don't like right. them the same way yeah. that other people like them. And mm-hmm. so I do a lot of market research when I do design solos. It's like, what do you like about solos? And tell me about that solo. What did you like? And so I've joined all these groups about solo gaming. It, it's helping. It's just not my forte. Yeah. So yeah. I, you know, I always suggest to other to like people who hire me for publishing, uh, it's like, okay, yeah, if you want a solo, ga- a solo mode, you may want to, you know, hire somebody on or bring one of my friends on or something like that to do it because Mm -hmm. they will do a much better job than I will. And that's not me trying to get somebody else in the door. That's me saying, if you want that, you need to do something about that because what I'm giving you is a two to four player game or whatever. Right. And luckily I do co-design with lots of people who are better at solo games than I am. So we usually have one kind of in the pocket anyway, but what up, my nerds? We here at Love Thy Nerd are beyond honored that you let our podcast blast in your earbuds each week. But we're also a jealous ministry who wants even more of your love and devotion. If you haven't made LTN Radio a part of your daily routine yet, you are missing out. Not only do you get to hear our exclusive morning shows, Church Nerds and the Macro Morning Show, before they are put on the website, but you also get radio-exclusive shows like Bible Thump with Drew Dixon, LTN Rewind, Faith and Fandom 180 with Hector Mirai, The Moment with Megan Moe Oaks, Nerd History, Nerdy Definitions, This Week in Nerdy News, and our LTN specials as well. And on top 
top of all that, the rest of our airtime is jam-packed with the absolute best mix of Christian rock, rap, pop, and indie that is hand-curated by Love Thy Nerd just for you. Give us a listen at ltnonair.com or download the Live 365 app on your smartphone to search and favorite LTN Radio. Thanks, and enjoy the rest of the show. Uh, well, we do like to kind of like also hear about you, who you are as a person, what makes you tick. Kind of like to get personal on this sure. podcast. So yeah, um, where did you grow up? And I like? grew up in Northern Ontario. So in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, which is connected to Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, uh, <laughs> by the International Bridge uh, at the hub of the Great Lakes. So right where Superior meets all the other lakes. Hmm. Superior, by the way, is a ginormous lake. If you've never seen yeah. Lake Superior, it is it's ridiculous. Well named. Yes. Um, <laughs> Superior to all lakes. <laughs> it kind of is. Lake Gichigumi. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, so I I'm grew up there. Up right now to see how big it is. It is ginormous. Man, yeah. I think that's is. a technical term, ginormous. I pretty much think it is too. Uh, and so I grew up there, a uh, lonely Asian boy, uh, one of only like maybe 12, 15 Asian people in that city. Wow. <laughs> or kids anyways. I mean, they all had parents, right? Yeah. But um, So it was very, it's a small steel town, steel and pulp. So we make paper and we make steel. Uh, mm-hmm. So raw material conversion. Uh, you can find us actually on many um, railway games uh, oh. because Sault Ste. Marie was a, a big hub for rail uh, because it's like, one of the only stops up there. <laughs> yeah. There, yeah. There's not a lot. So when I grew up, the sm- the closest town, the closest town of any size is like four hours away, right? So it's... Um, what was that? Sudbury. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, then, I like, see it on the map know. here. You know, Sud- you know Sudbury, Drew. Gosh, that's four hours. Yeah, so man. like, I think of, uh, you know, Spread when out. you think of Ontario, like any probably American. This is what comes to mind is Toronto, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you're not, uh, looking at this map, like you're not anywhere close to Tro- Toronto. Toronto is like a s- eight-hour drive or Toronto something? Toronto is eight hours away by yeah. by the Canadian route and like 11 hours away by the American route. Yeah. But there are, t- there are places crazy. in Canada that are closer by going through America. So if I was to go to Windsor, it'd be faster <laughs> for me to wild. go through... The the UP, which if you hold your yeah. hand up, <laughs> sorry, just get a little Michigan. Oh yeah, that's a little Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> the um, so yeah, Thunder Bay is another eight hours to the west and stuff like that. So it takes you like, um, let me just think, eight four eight six. Yeah, it, it's like a it's like a almost a day to drive across the province Sheesh. from the east to the west or the west to the east, whichever way you want to go. They call, you call it the Upers. Yeah, in right? Michigan for sure. <laughs> upper the the Upper Peninsula is the Upers. The Upers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but now I live in southern Ontario, so I actually live close closer to the well, not really, technically not really closer to to Michigan, uh, but uh, I'm about like three hours away from Detroit now. Okay. Like two hours south of Toronto, three hours away from Detroit. Roughly. So I'm guessing it was pretty like uh, wasn't a whole lot going on in your in your hometown growing up and no, stuff. Not a lot. A lot of you know metalheads, like, and uh, yeah. I mean, I, I grew up um, cycling into the mountains and skiing to school and oh, stuff. Nice. Like that. Yeah, it's yeah. Six skiing foot high to school. 
Yeah, yeah. There'd be days like when cross country ski. Yeah, there'd be days when I'd have to cross country ski to school. The uh, wow. the snow mounds in in my city in Sault Ste. Marie would you know be six to eight foot high. That that's not like in a parking lot. That's like on my street in front of my house. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot of snow. <laughs> Right, you're on. <laughs> you got lake effect. Plus, you're pretty far north, and it's like, and that isn't even literally that far north. Like, I've been further. Oh yeah, yeah. My friend Jesse, uh, a co-designer, he's actually in the Northwest Territories right now. He moved up to the Northwest Territories to take a job, and like that's like three thousand kilometers further uh, north and west of me. Off so, the grid. Yeah, quite literally. Yeah. He was walking around what? the other day in seal skin. Like wearing seal skins, <laughs> like literally, you you have to as you one have, does, as, as one, one does. does. You're are there, or you're gonna die. Um, and yeah. it was like minus fifty centigrade, Yikes. not Fahrenheit centigrade. Wow, <laughs> it's like super cold up there. That's, uh, that's intense. That was with the wind chill, but still, it was minus forty without wind chill, which Meanwhile, is actually I think like minus a, forty centigrade. In Fahrenheit. It's like sixty sixty Fahrenheit here, and I have a hoodie, sweatpants. I saw the hoodie and a blanket on. <laughs> I saw the hoodie when yeah. <laughs> when we had our cameras on. So yeah. yeah, I grew way up. I grew up way up north, um, and you know, it wasn't until I got down south that I, you know, I, I really more found out, you know, more about who I was. Mm. But I still was able to get gaming in. So my parents, um, I was a precocious kid. Um, like definitely, definitely a handful in terms of I didn't know what to do with myself hmm. um, because I just devoured things. Like I was done reading The Lord of the Rings by the time I was six, type thing. Wow. And my parents—I can't even read that at thirty-four years old. It's <laughs> way too dense. So my my oh, mom, man. my mom—I don't I don't know how my mom knew all this stuff, but my mom had heard about this thing called Dungeons and Dragons, and I was yeah. born in the seventies, so. 72. So Dungeons and Dragons was like this thing. And uh, amazingly enough, my mom is a devout Roman Catholic. We She put me in this before the whole satanic panic thing. Mm. Um, and I was in the basement of the University of Algoma, Algoma University, playing role-playing games with like 18-year-old people, 19, 20-year-old people <laughs> when I was six. And you six. were how old? Oh, when you were six. six. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but that got me on the uh, path to what I'm doing now, which is uh, game design for parts of it anyways, right? So uh, it was a lifelong love affair with role-playing games. And in between, you know, waiting for people to get there and stuff, we'd play all these kind of what we called at the time beer and pretzel games, although I didn't know what beer was, so because I was six. <laughs> um, but there was like you know um, Avalon Hill games and Steve Jackson yeah, games yeah, yeah. and all those ones that are from the you know seventies and eighties. So we played a lot of Car Wars and a lot of um, uh, Titan Avalon Hills Titan, uh, just games like that. The, the very first like Whiz Wars and things were from mm -hmm. then. Uh, Tom Wham and all that yeah, kind of stuff. It's not what it sounds like, listeners. Okay. <laughs> and <laughs> we had different kind of whiz words yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah. Oh, you guys are weird. Yeah. And, we, uh, <laughs> we've already learned that about Drew on this podcast for sure. Sorry. Backyard wrestling and whiz war. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And we would, uh, yeah. And so we, I just grew up playing all those games and that just really informed how I looked at the world, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, one of my friends, 
two years ago, uh, we just kind of reconnected on Facebook. And he said, hey, do you remember that game you made when we were kids and it looked like this? And I said, oh my God, yeah. It was this three-level, like literally like three-tiered Star Trek kind of board um, with uh, underwater on the surface of the water and air combat all at the same time in this three-dimensional board Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah i do remember that (laughs) i said how did you remember that because i loved that thing um so yeah and i was the kid who you know dig it up and 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 uh polish it just go get that star trek license go get it i don't know where it is anymore we'll find out (laughs) um but yeah i was that kind of kid who would you know convince the teacher that i had to stay in at at recess to play dungeons and dragons with the three other people that thought it was cool <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing <laughs> so yeah i just i grew up cool. in in, cool, in gaming and uh always always were your, always were your fo- folks supportive of that your parents god no <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> they're like that's our biggest mistake ever so my parents uh, uh, that was gonna tell, be my question like because you said she got you into it before the satanic panic yeah yeah and i don't and think it was a satanic it really it, wasn't the satanic panic that made her regret anything it was more the so my parents are very much you know as you can tell by my name they are very you know chinese parents uh <laughs> okay. to the point where it's like this is stereotypical like why did you not get an a plus when you get an a type of parents mm. um that's that that is literally what they're like and uh, my parents were always worried about me being a dabbler i was a dabbler uh because mm. i was really good at lots and lots and lots of jack things. of all trades master of none well no that's the thing i mastered everything oh okay so well, like, even better. like, Great. like I'm, I'm a provincial i'm a provincial level jujitsu fighter okay. that's that's wow. how good i am at martial arts you know i'm a black belt and all that kind of stuff. And I've won provincial level championships. I'm not, I don't do things that I'm bad at and I do a lot of things. So it's really weird. I've sung professionally at the uh, Canadian national exhibition, which is like a, like a fair that goes on in Toronto every summer. I did that for Mm -hmm. two summers. You know, it's just like, and they find it so weird that I can do all these things at a level where I get paid. I've DJed around the world. I've done lots of stuff. Um, but uh, my parents were always so worried that I was a dabbler, dabbling, dabbling, dabbling. Um, and so they took me uh, when I was like, I don't know, 14 or 15 to a psychologist uh, to get tested. Um, and to fix you. I don't know. I don't know what they thought would happen. Because <laughs> I've been tested many times before that um, uh-huh. for gifted uh, teach, for gifted education, right? So I was always in, I was always in pull-out classes. I, w- I was never, I was at my, my homeschool, like, three days out of the week and at a different school, two days out of the week type thing. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they just wanted me to focus um, on probably being a doctor is probably what they wanted me to focus on, mm-hmm. uh, which is very stereotypical, but it's true. When did your, did your parents were doctors or what? No, did they my do? mom's a nurse. My dad's an engineer, but they're both like highly educated and, yeah. and you know, they, you know, Driven. They, yeah, very, very professional and always, always, always studying, always learning, always, you know, researching the new not thing. Not dabblers. No, no, they were not dabblers. <laughs> well, so, because, I mean, they, they, and I mean, in my adulthood, I kind of realized, like, they came up from a really harsh upbringing. Like, they mm-hmm. ran away across the South China Sea during the World War II. Like, they learned to swim in bomb craters, that kind of thing, right? So, yeah, it's just yeah. like these things that you could never imagine because you, you can't. 
Like you, I that gives you some a, perspective exactly on right? about twenty twenty. Your frustration <laughs> that I'm sure that you experienced yeah. as a kid when you were like frustrated that they were upset at you for dabbling. Yeah, uh, but then you realize what they went through, and you're like, well, okay, well I didn't I at the time. Kind of <laughs> yeah, right? at the it's, time, it's, it's really hard. It's that yeah. hindsight, right? There's like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, like they sacrificed so much so that you could yeah. dabble. Uh, and so, and it's funny because I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a psychology prof and it's, it's just hilarious to think about it all. Like we talk about, you know, how adolescents rebel and adolescents rebel almost invariably in Western culture because of how Western culture is set up. And then, um, the thing that they do though, adolescents is they'll rebel in terms of style and that kind of choice, like music choice and hair color and all those things, those superficial things. But Mm -hmm. 99% of children that rebel don't actually rebel against morals and ethics of parents. Um, It's very rare that they do. And so my sister who, you know, super rebel during her high school years, like my parents had to call the cops on her type rebel. Um, Mm -hmm. Wow. She's a doctor. (laughs) You know, <laughs> in the end, she's a doctor. Uh, I'm a therapist, and my parents well, just don't understand it, laugh. right? Yeah. My parents just don't <laughs> understand what I do, though. So they're they're hilarious. They uh, for for many years, my parents couldn't explain what I did for for work, mm. and so they wouldn't tell their friends what I did. I asked them, so what do you tell them about me? Because they'd come and say, oh, you know, your friend Aaron, he's a chiropractor, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. And so what do you tell people about me? They say, oh, we don't don't tell them about because we don't understand what you do. I'm a therapist, mom. I've had the same conversations with my parents. It's so funny. But yeah, I mean, it's... What's the hmm? the hang up there like? with they about therapy i'm curious oh so mental health is a big weird thing in chinese culture okay yeah that's part of it uh and i'm yeah. not even a mental health therapist per se i'm an occupational it's therapist it's seen as like a like something you shouldn't have to do no but like it's that, seen or? it's seen as it's seen as uh like weakness yeah mm-hmm. okay right mm-hmm. gotcha right uh, as opposed mm-hmm. to an illness and so, yeah, I mean, both my wife and I are therapists, so I guess that was a big stick in my parents' eye. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and they just they just didn't get it. And so now that I'm back in school as a professor, like, oh, okay, we can, t- we can talk about that. He's a teacher. Yeah, we get that. Professor. Yeah, that's easier. Do they tell people about, like, your game design and stuff? No, because I don't tell them about my game design. <laughs> it, it's it's yeah. it's sad. It sounds sad, and it is in a way. Like, I wish I could share that with them, but I just know that it would cause yeah. fights. Like, mm-hmm. my parents are very worried about how I spend my time. They're always worried about what you should be spending your time making money or you should be spending time mm-hmm. doing something. And it's like, I, I couldn't even tell them, like, oh, yeah, I mean, it does make money. They wouldn't care. It just doesn't make as much money as the other stuff. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, they, I parents mean, it's a trip, man. It's, they are. But when you look back at their existence and their, like, my mom, so, when my parents moved from Sault Ste. Marie, they came to London, where I live now, because we had, you know, another child coming. And my mom's like, oh, I want to be London, there. Ontario. Yeah, London, Ontario. So I want to be there for you, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, okay, uh, we are, and I just got a job at a new clinic at the time, and my wife had, my, well, my wife is pregnant, so she, no, she was still working in Hamilton. Um, and I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move to London uh, to do this job 
and I'm going to buy a house. And my dad said, oh, why don't you buy a second house for us next door to you? <laughs> and I said, okay, but if I'm going to do that, I'm just going to buy one house, dad. This is stupid. And that was even stupider. <laughs> so <laughs> his idea was probably smarter in the long run. But uh, anyways, so uh, long story short, my parents now live by themselves in a giant house by a golf course. That's what happened. Mm. Wow. So we we actually had to move out. It's like, you know, I'm I'm a four at the time. I was like, how old was I at the time? Like 38. I was like, I'm a 38-year-old man. I don't need you telling me when I can and cannot go to bed. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's it's <laughs> yeah. just ridiculous. But the thing is, parents are always going to be parents, fair. right? I have kids. Yeah. I will probably yeah. always be their parent. I don't want to be their friend. You know, I love them and I'm friendly with them, but currently I don't want to be their friend. I, that's not mm-hmm. my role. And so I get that and I understand why my parents are like that. But in order to stop the fighting, it's like, I don't want to tell you about these things because if I did, yeah. then it would just cause a fight and now I'd resent you. And I'd rather celebrate with people who want to celebrate and just not celebrate that with you. And I'm okay. I can compartmentalize my life in that way and I'm okay with that at some level. I'm sure I'm, sure I'm going to have like a very tearful eulogy at some point because they're getting old <laughs> uh, and that's just reality. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. it'll all come out then and it'll be very difficult. But... It's that's my choice now is to not share that part of my life with them yeah. because it was, it would just cause yeah. turmoil and grief. That's hard. Like that's it why is. I think, you know, I made that comment like parenting is a trip because, you know, I, you're making me like, you know, you're dredging up all these feelings about my own parents. Cause I have a lot of that similar kind of thing where we just don't have certain conversations because I just know kind of where they stand on it. I know where I stand on it. And it's just that conversation is not going to, go anywhere or be fruitful. But it also really bums me out. I was just having this conversation the other day about video games specifically because video games, you know, I I was super nerdy and loved playing video games. My parents vehemently opposed to video games. And I just think about all the opportunities that we missed out on in bonding, you know, when I was a kid because they were they were so opposed to it, you know? Like for them to sit down and play a game with me, like all the interactions and things that we could have had. And I think about like going into my own, you know, becoming a parent, like navigating those things, because certainly, and I mean, maybe the two of you can speak to this as parents, like certainly there's going to be things that your kids do that you just can't get behind or can't support or can't like, how do you draw those lines? How do you still Mm -hmm. stay in good relationships so that, you know, you don't get to a point where your kids don't want to share something with you because they know how you're going to react to it or whatever, you know, like how do you keep those doors open? Um, that's the stuff that just, man, I, that trips me out. Yeah, it's hard. Great question. It is. It's, then. Oh, I mean, so <laughs> just my, tell me my, the answer guys. <laughs> my kids are 17 and 13, so they're getting up there. Um, yeah. And there, there's definitely things that they don't tell me that they'll tell their mom and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Because they know how we react, right? That's what personality is by definition is just a standard pattern of reaction to stimulus, right? That's what a personality is. It's genetically based. Like it, it's not a social construct. It's a genetic thing where I will react poorly to X because that's how I react to that thing. There, I mean, it's obviously sh- it's shaped by your experiences, but you have kind of like a baseline genetic mm-hmm. basis to that. Um, anyway, um, 
so my, my kids, I think, I hope, will share stuff with us. Um, they definitely have, as Ethan, my oldest, is, is, you know, getting to that age where he's moving out. You know, he's definitely being um, more open with us about stuff. Mm. Not like, you know, revealing secrets or anything, just like questions <laughs> and, and things like yeah. that. And he, he's definitely like asking things about, you know, so how do I do this and how do I do that? Now he's realizing, oh, you mean I got to learn how to cook? He cooked dinner last night. It was really late at Ooh, 10 o'clock, but he go, cooked dinner. Nice. So yeah, it was, it was a good start to That's things. your oldest or that's your my, That's my oldest. Actually, okay. honestly, my 13-year-old nice. used to love to cook. I don't know why he doesn't anymore, but he used to love to cook. So he would cook dinner all mm. the time. Uh, but my 17-year-old, like it, it was like mac and cheese was his thing <laughs> uh, as far as it gets. But now he's like last night he made like butter chicken and, you know, he's learning how to use nice. all of the utensils and <laughs> stuff like that. But it's still frustrating, you know, sometimes it's like, mm -hmm. Ethan, why aren't you listening to me? Just listen to what I'm telling you and do what I say and it'll get done. Like, like how do I chop this? Well, you dice it. Okay, well, how do I dice it? Okay, chop into squares. Okay, well, how do I do that? He's like, and I said, well, Ethan, you just chop it into squares. And he's like, Dad, I've never done this before. <laughs> and I said, well, would you like me to show you? Yes. Okay, okay. So it's not easy, even with like the silliest little yeah. things like that. And I think um, one of the things is going into everything. Uh, and it's hard when you're tired or when you're overworked or when it's the end of the day to do that. Because I'm sure like I didn't look super happy when I, he was talking to me. It's like, just cut the damn stuff into blocks kid you know <laughs> but part of it is you know grace right going going into it with grace and going into it with mm -hmm. the understanding that and this is something I, I actually learned from my students um that if somebody's asking for help they probably need it <laughs> otherwise yeah. they wouldn't ask because for a lot of those people especially my students to ask a professor for help that's a lot of effort like it, it's mm -hmm. literally like killing them to ask me for help uh, because I don't know why, but the like the perceived power differential, right? So if yeah. people ask you for help, maybe just give it to them graciously. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm not great at that. I was not great at that. And I learned uh, from just kind of understanding that, oh, this is not about me. This is about you, right? And the problem is that when I get tired or when it's like the end of the day, like 10 o'clock when he's making dinner at 10 o'clock, it's like, it's the end of the day. Why? Just let me do this or uh, whatever. Uh, like you get a little uh, short and we, we all make mistakes yeah. and it's funny cause I'm actually like a literal expert in parenting and I make mistakes all the time. Like it, it happens yeah. all the time, yeah. but uh, yeah, it, it is that sort of like take a breath, go with grace, <laughs> ask, mm -hmm. ask people, ask yourself, what would, why are they asking me this question? Is it a challenge to my authority or is it, a rational question that deserves a rational answer. Mm -hmm. that, that is literally how you diffuse a crisis, right? Is like, if it's rational, you give them a rational answer and you probably will diffuse the crisis because that's what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. So that, that's at least one answer, one, one way to look at it. There's obviously nuance to everything, but there you go. Yeah. There's your there's your parenting well, advice for the day. We solved it. You just simplified parenting for me quite a bit there. <laughs> I mean, I, I, hope, it. I hope it did something. <laughs> It's Mo from the Back Row Morning Show, and I've got five random facts for you. The world's longest french fry is 34 inches long. Naval tradition declares submarines be called boats, not ships. Walt Disney started sketching regularly when he was just four years old. 
Cherries are a member of the rose family, as are pears, plums, apples, and raspberries. There are ice caves in Iceland that have hot springs. And one teaspoon of a neutron star would weigh six billion tons. That was six facts. It was six facts. <laughs> you get a bonus fact on your bonus facts. Yo, this is Exhibit, and we heard you like facts, so we put a bonus fact on your bonus facts. For more fun facts and hilarious nonsense, tune in to the Back Row Morning Show Monday through Thursday at 7 a.m. and again at 9 a.m. Central here on LTN Radio. I definitely can relate to the uh, when I'm tired, it's the end of the day, like, yeah, for sure. And then <laughs> my my daughter will borrow my wife's phone sometimes when my oldest, she's nine, and she'll borrow my wife's phone sometimes to listen to stories like, Mm-hmm. Books on tape when she goes to sleep and stuff. Books on tape. Books on tape. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I use that term. I, I do. I say, you yeah, we're going to put that on oh tape or we're going to videotape that. It's like, no, we're not taping anything. that from the record. Just dated myself there. Uh, but but yeah, so she'll, but she'll text me from my wife's phone while she's listening to these stories. And it's you know like after bedtime, lights out, but we let her listen, listen to, the story, sure. to books and stuff. And uh, she'll be like, dad, I want some can you give me some water? And I'll be like, Evelyn, you are capable of getting water. Right. <laughs> and she'll say, she'll say, but I'm tired, please. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. So this whole thing. And then she's like, and then if I don't text right back, she'll like send me these like sad emojis and stuff. <laughs> and she's like, dad, are you even listening to me? <laughs> Do you even love me? <laughs> My daughter. Yeah. She, she's very, um, she's very emotionally intelligent. So she knows like how to, uh, she knows how to work it sometimes, but she also, uh, like that's a really like beautiful quality too. Cause she, she's very empathetic mm-hmm. and very kind. So it's, um, been trying to learn how to like navigate life with a very emotion, like I think far more emotionally intelligent than me. And I'm kind of a sensitive person in a lot of ways, but she's, Oh, she's that backyard wrestling level. made you real sensitive. <laughs> yeah, totally. You get it. I do. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's. Uh, I mean, emotional intelligence is something that I, I honestly do not have a lot of, and I'm gaining it as I get older. Like it, it it'll come to everybody. I think. I think. Yeah. I think in in like society wise, it does come to most guys later. I don't know why that is. I mean, I do have ideas. I have suppositions about that, but um, mm. there's definitely a part of culture that in in Western culture, anyways, that makes guys not have to be that way in some ways, right? Um, mm-hmm. So so that's a question. Uh, but then, I mean, the other thing is trying to make sure that somebody who is emotionally intelligent and emotionally sensitive uh, doesn't have that A, used against them, and B, doesn't use that yeah. against other people, right? So, I mean, mm-hmm. all of, a lot of the things that we look at as gifts are like very much double-edged swords, and yeah. that's that's what parents are for, right? Parents are there to nurture their children mm-hmm. to make sure that they use their powers for good instead of evil and yeah, whatnot. Because, like, that's a good word. If you're if you're really looking at emotional intelligence, it is it is a superpower. It really is, right? Mm-hmm. And some people are sure. really good at it, and some people are oblivious to it, and most people are somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but that type of emotional empathy and resonance with other people can be useful. Uh, but it can also be weaponized for and against, oh, yeah. right? So it's just something yeah. to be very aware of. 
that yeah. you know if you have sure. that super sensitive daughter and somebody else notes that they're super sensitive that's a bully that's a problem right it could mm-hmm. turn into a problem or yep. if because they're so emotionally sensitive they know how to pick away at people's emotions that could also mm-hmm. be a problem because they could turn into a bully so yeah for sure i remember one time this is like one of my favorite stories about my daughter but my oldest daughter that I was telling you about, mm-hmm. my youngest daughter was going through this phase that I think a lot of. Oh, so she's uh, not your only daughter. She doesn't have that excuse. No. Okay. No, so she doesn't. She she could yeah. she could go without water. Then you have another daughter. <laughs> I see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she. Uh, my young my youngest daughter, who's my middle child. We have a boy who's three now. Uh, but my young my middle child was. Uh, I guess she was probably like two or three. Probably three. And she was going through this phase of, I want mommy, I want mommy, I want mommy for everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it was driving my wife kind of, it was stressing her out sure. for sure. And so I was trying to like make sure she lets me help her with things to not like, you know, like it was just trying to help. And so that, you know, I would keep after her. Like I would always, I'd, I'd try to comfort her when she was upset and things just to like, Hey, we gotta we gotta press through this because it's gonna wear my wife out. So I was trying to comfort her one time when she got really upset and she she was just got really mad. I don't want and she was just like like yelling, I don't want you, daddy, I don't want you, daddy, I don't want you. And like this was after a long um like kind of you know battle over this this issue. And like and I was trying to be objective <laughs> about it and not like let it get under my skin, you know. But it finally just like broke me. And I just like, I just went to my room, closed the door and just like started weeping uh, on, on, in my room and on the bed. Like mm-hmm. I was, it was just like emotionally spent, you know, and I, and I, and it, I finally like did take it really personally. And uh, my oldest child, she was five or six at the time. And uh, she came in, opened the door, saw me crying and came and laid down next to me and hugged me and said, I want you, daddy. <laughs> just, oh, my gosh. It's I cried even, even harder. More, right? Yeah. And I was just like, that's just, it was such a, like. It is empathetic, hard. Right? Yeah. Like, very kind gesture mm-hmm. um, that just, you know. So like, she, she, exactly she's on the power to, power. She's on the path to good. That's that's a good sign. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's it's definitely been a challenge, like trying to help her with exactly what you're talking about, like using her emotional superpowers for good and not to manipulate people. Or yeah, and then there's know. the other part of it is understanding um, some of the deep emotions that she feels. Like she may understand them, but she might not be able to rationalize them. If you get the difference. Mm-hmm. Right. There's there's gonna yeah. be something like, why do I feel this way? And I don't understand why I feel this way. Which is, I mean, to to kind of go full circle back to the idea of gifted and, and talented education. Um, a lot of kids who are gifted in other ways, like they don't have the emotional maturity, they have the intellectual maturity. And so they are mm-hmm. they are kind of unfortunately they get messed up in different ways, right? Where, you know, they understand yeah. like things like death and they understand th- way before other kids do. And they understand things like, you know, you know, atrocities and, and whatnot mm-hmm. and the history of that kind of stuff. And they don't understand why they feel like they feel and they don't, they can't deal with the feelings, but they understand cognitively, rationally what is happening. And so that's, that's also the other kind of danger that we see on the flip side of that um, where, 
these children who have these, you know, abilities, again, you, you just can't say, oh, well, they're, they're gifted in that area. They'll just, they'll just be better than everybody. It's like, no, wait a minute. They are a little child <laughs> with, yeah. in like nine or 10 years old with, you know, the capacity in one area or another of like a 16, 17, 18, 20 year old person. Mm-hmm. That's atypical. And that's not something that our school systems are really set, you know, set out for. And it does require specialized training to deal with a lot of the issues yeah. that happen in, you know, kids. Like you'll see all those all those memes, like, you know, if you <laughs> if you were doing this at twelve, you are now, you know, an out of work want to be author or something like that right stuff like and it's like all the people who are like yep i was in gifted class and that's exactly me right because a lot of mm-hmm. times those those that metric of giftedness isn't necessarily a predictor of better outcomes there's all this yeah. other stuff that has to go into place to nurture again that student into becoming into reaching their full potential of what they can mm-hmm. be right and it, yeah, that that definitely. is kind of what shows you the difference between uh you know, in psych, we call it a reaction range for IQ, where everybody has a set range for their IQ. And it's definitely, we think right now anyways, genetic, that, you know, my IQ, because I'm this genetic stock, uh, should be mm-hmm. between X and Y. But where you end up on that spectrum between X and Y depends on your environment and the nurturing that your parents do and what they can provide and your, you know, education and your your health and, you know, the food you eat and, you know, where you live and all this kind of stuff. So it's called the reaction range because there's a range and it's in reaction Mm -hmm. to all the rest of the stuff that's happening around you. And so it just really does show you that, you know, left to your own devices, you cannot predict the best outcomes for any kid who has, you know, a gift or a talent it's just, the easier way to do it is look at sports, you know, and you see, oh, that kid who was super talented as a, as a, as a high school athlete and, you know, is now doing nothing. And they could have done so yeah. much. Well, they weren't nurtured to do more, right? right. They weren't, mm. they may have been so much emphasis was put on the sports that they didn't shore up some of the other things or they didn't have to, they didn't feel like they had to be emotionally, uh, you know, gifted or not gifted even, just emotionally on par because they were so physically gifted and right. they, you know, everybody told them they were the best and the greatest. And then when stuff doesn't go their way, what do they do? They, you know, mm-hmm. seek solace in a bottle or they abuse people or whatever. And so these stories that keep on playing themselves over and over again in, in society, you kind of got to look at them and say, well, why? Why is this happening? Yeah. Where are we failing these children who could be something mm-hmm. so great someday? You know, and this is all children. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, th- so there are definitely people who are like, well, all children have gifts. It's like, yes, but you don't understand that mm. uh, children who are extremely gifted and talented in certain areas have a different mindset. Yep. Because they have different uh, yeah, struggles and yeah. things too that you have to weigh in for sure. Yeah. That's good. We should have you on for a whole nother like thing where we talk about. <laughs> child psychology <laughs> or something yeah like. we could do that dude he's uh, gonna he's gonna invoice us for this podcast no no <laughs> no a therapy I'm, session no sorry the plumber no, was here great. yeah well, uh, that's no worries, that's the kind of therapy you need is the plumber therapy <laughs> yeah 
you need to finally be able to use the toilet, you know? <laughs> um, no, but uh, we, we're about out of time here. We we don't want to take more time than we, we scheduled with you here, but uh, this was great. Really enjoyed kind of yeah, hearing a little bit about good. your story and, um, you know, your work in the games industry and, um, yeah, this was this is really fun. You're super, super easy to talk to, which I always enjoy. Um, so thanks so much, Sin, for coming on. What, wh- where would you point people to if they kind of want to follow what you're up to? Uh, Twitter's probably the best place. So at Sen Fong Lim, S-E-N-F-O-O-N-G-L-I-M on Twitter. Great, man. Cool. Well, and uh, and you've got uh, you're working right now on Kingdom Rush. Is that right? Yeah. So the second the big project, the right second. Now? part of kingdom rush it's a standalone game you don't need the first uh to play the second uh it's elemental uprising and that's on game found right now that's by myself yeah. jesse wright and halana hope awesome man well, we'll be and that'll probably to that i a- think the kickstart sorry you can't call things on game found a kickstarter <laughs> uh that <laughs> so that'll be finished Probably this by the week. time this episode releases. Yeah, so probably. But can people still like get in on that after the fact? I believe there's probably a late pledge manager. I mean, it's okay. on GameFound, right? So yeah, yeah. there's probably a way to do something um, during that uh, or after that fact. But I mean, yeah. just bit a buck and <laughs> fill it in later. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's um, definitely a path to getting at least some of the stuff after. And obviously retail. Um, not right, everything right. will be going to retail, unfortunately. Um, that's just the way people like to do things. And so uh, if you want all of it, then you're going to have to look for a way to get that. And probably, I believe there'll be a pledge manager after the fact that'll allow you to do that. Cool. We'll look forward to that. Well, thanks again, Sam. Thanks a lot, Sam. Awesome. No problem. Good talking to you. Appreciate it.